Yeah, hello, and welcome to episode 82 of Friends of the Show. I am Stephen W. Skinner, and this is my podcast where I chat with some of the interestingest folks from Twitter. This week's friend is a real character. I tell you what, it was so interesting talking to him, and turns out what we barely even scratched the surface. I'm talking, of course, about Antony at Octopus Caveman. What an iconic handle. We really went on a ramble tear. I don't even know what I talked about, but I know it wasn't enough. Anthony has some super crazy stories that we get into, and it was great connecting with him uh, and hearing some of the stories and shouting out some really cool people. So without further magoo, hope you enjoy Friends of the Show, episode 82 with Octopus Caveman. That's the one from uh, No Love, No Pain, right? It is the one from YouTube, <clears throat> definitely. Yeah, I think that's called Omni. It's called Omni, a lo-fi, spacey, omni-chord chill-out. Yeah, somebody had asked me to put that on YouTube so they could sleep to it, and then later on that ended up on my album No Love, No Pain. Oh, cool. Yeah, it's very cool. It's definitely pretty... I guess you could fall asleep to that. Yeah, some people liked it. Yeah. Someone asked me to make a loop of it that was longer, but I didn't, I didn't get around to it. You, they can do that themselves. Give me a break. You don't have to do that. Like, that's for that's for fans to do. Putting it on here so they could sleep to it was, I mean, already very nice of you, I think. Do you you want to know, like, I, this is the dumbest idea I ever had for, like, a fundraiser. If I'm ever, like, super broke, I'm going to just do, you know, like, they used to do the jogathon and the walkathon and stuff when you were a kid. Yeah, I did it. I'm the Persicini walkathon every year. 10K. We did it. Yeah. I, I'm going to just sit in a room and listen to Temperature by Sean Paul for 24 hours. I I would. That's all. I feel like that's that's equally as grueling. Like you know, I I feel like that's that's a Herculean task if you pull that off. Depends on what the atmosphere in the room is like. I've been in rooms when that song is playing, and it is uh, it is electric. I hate that song so much. I'm just thinking like <laughs> it would be amazing. Just me alone in a room listening to that. Okay, for you specifically in a room by yourself, that and you specifically hate that song. Yes, it would be bad. <laughs> I don't bad. think that would be good for anybody. I don't think 24 hours of any song you're going to leave there. Oh, yeah, that that's, uh, <clears throat> that's some psychological torture, CIA stuff. What are some of the songs that they blare at people? Do you know that, like, torture songs that they blare? I don't know specifically. There was rumors of the uh, the Barney song during, like, the, uh, the, the second Barney Gulf War. Barney song. I mean, that's good. Okay, I got it here up uh, from this random article, and it says... Uh, we are and the also champions. Panama, Pardon Panama me? by Van Halen, I think, might be on that list. Okay, well. okay, okay. So, The Real Slim Shady by Eminem is the first one listed. Uh, and then Dirty by Christina Aguilera. Gonna get dirty. I wonder why that one. That's um, not a great song. <laughs> oh, Babylon by David Gray, yeah. Oh, yeah, the Barney okay. theme, I Love You. The classic, I Love You. You know how the rest goes. <laughs> Uh, Saturday Night Fever by the Bee Gees. Okay. Um, you know, for staying alive, that's how you, if you do uh, CPR, uh, staying alive is the one you got to remember. 
Right, yeah. No, so this one is for torture. Saturday Night Fever for torturing. Staying alive for CPR. <clears throat> and um, the next one is the Meow Mix theme. Okay, that, that would drive you nuts. How could this drive you nuts? It's got uh, it's- subtitles with the cats actually saying... See, I mean, if they're just doing it on a loop, though, then I think any song eventually would become very torturous. On a loop. I think, Even especially, especially if you don't get the uh, the subtitles, like you don't know what the cat's saying because you don't you don't have the subtitles. But the if you're looking at it, if they showed it to you, it's a little probably it'd be a little bit less. I would think nowadays they'd almost have better results just choosing any any SoundCloud rapper. You know what I mean? I know. I wonder if they. I wonder if they are even trying new songs or if they're just like, look, it's these 10, they work, whatever. Like, it probably really doesn't even matter too much <laughs> what it is. And some of them are just like, hey, whatever. I'm a Marilyn Manson fan. Let's put on uh, The Beautiful People. The Beautiful People, The Beautiful People. Go round Dude, I had a, I had a weird thought today. Uh, like, I woke up and I, I don't, I, I might have been like one of those things that carried over from my sleep, but I woke up and I was like, wow, MySpace. I, my, I don't know why, like, I guess just the SoundCloud rappers made me think of this again. Like, MySpace, that whole social media, I think because it was early in social media, I remember going on there to find things to do and people to do them with. You know what I mean? Okay, so you, you were using it as a social media. A lot of people were using it as sort of a place to discover artists also and connect with their favorite artists. I know that was where I first kind of started to get some fans of my music. Like people actually, you know, discovered me there and started listening to stuff there. But I feel like most people used MySpace sort of more more socially than say social media now. Uh could be. I mean I know Tom did pretty good out of it. <laughs> yeah. Tom Tom crushed it. Tom killed the whole MySpace thing. He got out right at the right time. Do you remember all of the uh all of the parody toms? No. What What were the parody toms? I was never on MySpace, so I kind of feel oh. like I missed that. I was like, mm, it's not really my thing, you know. I don't need, I don't need to have a top five <laughs> or whatever. So there was there was Tom, and he was always your first friend. You just you know program. Oh, he out to zuck the zuck. <laughs> and then uh, there was there was parody toms. So there was like a black tom, and then there'd be like Mexican tom and Haitian tom, like. Collect Every them all. Every ethnicity had a Tom, and then there was, like, goth Tom, and, you know. Right. And they were just trying to recreate the photo Tom took. Right, yeah, and you could get, you could uh, be friends with everybody, right? You could connect with them all, have all the Toms right. in your top five, top five Toms. Yeah, and you could just be the Tom guy. Man, that'd be, that'd be probably a pretty, I don't know if they were into niche stuff like that back in the day, <laughs> like they are now on the internet. Yeah, so it's a little different. It's a little bit different. So what are you doing? So let's get to it. I guess I should introduce you to the listeners. A bit of a more chill oh, uh, vibe. Are yeah, oh, well, we started, baby. This is the more chill vibe of the new podcast where we just are going. And uh, obviously, this week's guest is at Octopus Caveman, Anthony. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for having me, man. Yeah, very cool. Long time pal on Twitter. And, uh, frankly, insane stuff <laughs> that I see coming out of Octopus Caveman all the time. Every single, yeah, every, like, six months or a year, I'm like, wait, what? <laughs> Another thing? 
Um, so great stuff. Hopefully we'll be able to talk about some of the fun, crazy things. Um, but I guess we should set this tale. Who are you from? Where, uh, who are your guys? Where are you from? This is the WTF uh, part. I, uh, I, I grew up in between Huntington Beach and Pomona in, in California. Uh, California. So, like, Huntington Beach is kind of this, like, kind of uh, bro-y, white skater dude kind of area. And then I'd go spend weekends in Pomona, which is, like, a really strange town. Like, it was, uh, like, sort of this, like, white town in the 80s and then became uh, really black and then became super Hispanic. So by the time, like... I moved in, it was like 90% Hispanic and like, like pretty multicultural. I was the only white kid on the block and I'd skate with all these like Mexican kids and stuff. And oh, that's good. Cool. So I mean, Abla Espanol. Like but uh, a little bit, but I, I come from like a multicultural family as well. Like my uncle moved down to Mexico in the seventies and married himself a, uh, a Mexican woman. So I have oh, cool. you know, a, a, a sort of a bilingual family. Yeah, that's that's very cool. I also have Mexican relatives. Shout out to the gang down there, Jorge and the crew. Uh, some family who are Mexican, straight up from Mexico. <laughs> but it was like, yeah. Uh, it's, yeah. it's just funny because I'm like the whitest man. Like I, I look like Hitler's wet dream, like blonde hair, blue eyes. People, I don't think, expect that. So when you live in an area like Huntington Beach, like there's a lot of skun, like skinheads and stuff when I was a kid, oh, yeah. you know, you give me their paraphernalia and they're like pamphlets and stuff like, Hey brother, you know, like trying to recruit like, you. Hey, oh yeah. All oh the time. man. Like, yeah, Get no out of here. Skinheads. You, you run into skinheads. Like, all oh, skinheads. <sighs> see, I hate, I dislike the whole skinheads thing seriously because, um, with but my brave name, of you to say, brave my, of you to say, not a fan of the. Not not, I'm gonna go on. I'm I've gone on record and said this before, but just putting it out there, it is has been mentioned. I'm gonna go against the uh, whole uh, skinhead movement, all the white supremacy, all of its crap. Uh, and the fact because it's Skinner, my name is like they lump it in, you know, like it could be, it's like Skinner, <laughs> right. skinhead. Come on, get out of here, get out of here with that. It's, it's weak, weak sauce. <laughs> It okay. is interesting though. Like I used to, it used to be fascinating to look at their like little pamphlets. Like pamphlets are a thing of the past. You know, oh, yeah. those like the religious comic books that like Christians would leave it like in like public restrooms and stuff. And then, but yeah, their their uh, their propaganda is very confusing to me. Yeah, probably not the brightest minds are like creating this stuff, right? So, but it is. Yeah, I guess you're I right. It would be kind of interesting to look at. Like anti-Semitism doesn't make sense to me because you go like, okay, well, these Jewish people are secretly running the world, and and in my brain, I'm just like, wow, that's that's a hell of a bounce back from you know World <laughs> War II to like you know they they really kicked ass. They like, took a hell of a football. hit, and they said, <laughs> yeah, listen up. Then, they rolled up their sleeves, like, and they did yeah, it. Yeah, it just I took mean, them, what like thirty years, and now they're running everything like. If that was true, I don't think I would want to be on the other side of those people. I'd be like, these people are kicking ass. I mean, I just, I want to work for them, you know? Yeah, I think a lot of their arguments are very flawed. Uh, I don't know too much about it, but uh, it's very, yeah. I think it has to do with socialism in a weird way. I think a lot of it is like, like, oh, there's secret socialists run by Jews and they're trying to take over the world. And then... And then hating a person for their their race seems weird too. Like just like a person was just born a certain way. So that I, I don't know. It just seems really strange to me. Like 
like racism like always seems so ridiculous to me oh it's it is the worst literally i typed up a tweet just sometimes i get angry about things and i type up a tweet i typed up a tweet that says racism makes you dumb like that was my tweet i wanted to tweet racism makes you dumb and i deleted it because i'm a coward but that's what i was thinking at the at the moment i was like racism makes you dumb like if you're racist to me that just makes you dumb like it's like when you look at someone who you know can't do something and maybe you think less of them but that is this when i see you're racist i'm like oh you're just straight up dumb like someone needs to help you you need to be educated you need to be taught you know just like feel bad for you you're dumb racism racists what yeah i mean it was there was a lot of uh real casual racism in in huntington beach you know because just a bunch of like like, uh, for the most part, a lot of well-to-do white kids, like, you know, upper middle class until and up until the upper class, like kids that lived in the harbor. And not all of them, but there was enough of them and there was enough casual racism. Like, like people wouldn't hesitate to tell you a black joke. Like, oh, yeah. you're a white kid. Mm-hmm. Let me, you know, mm-hmm. lay out, lay this racist joke on you. So I was kind of grateful for my experience in Pomona, too, because I, I felt it kept me, like, more real, like, going back and forth between these two different worlds. Like, yeah, and the okay. thing is, when that stuff is around, like, I don't know, how many how many percent of the people were just like, okay, that stuff's just around, and then it sort of normalizes it, and then maybe they do laugh at a joke or whatever that one of those guys says one time just because they normalized it and they didn't go to Pomona and was like, oh, no, those guys are fucking nuts don't listen to right. anything that they say let alone a joke that they say like they're so stupid that you shouldn't be listening to anything that they say um yeah get yourself to pomona kid <laughs> yeah and then i got like the uh the uh i got a bunch of shit from like the mexican dudes in pomona like uh depending on the length of my hair i got called either uh slim shady if my hair was short <laughs> Or uh, when I had longer hair, people would just call me Nirvana because nobody knows okay. the name. Still just, on the... This uh, motherfucker looks like Nirvana. Yeah. Like, okay. Pretty I good. Look, That's like fine. Band, I guess. They're like, yeah, you look like popular musicians. It was cool because I would skate around the town and uh, run into these, like, you know, gangbanger kids. And uh, and I was so oblivious to, like, gang culture. They'd be like, where are you from? I'd be like, oh, well, I live around the corner <laughs> over there. Yeah. Be like, no, what neighborhood are you from? And yeah. like, I don't I like Pomona, dude. Like, I live right down the street. Yeah. <laughs> but for the most part, like, I, I skateboarded with enough of these, like, gangbanger kids, like younger brothers. Yeah. That there was always one dude who'd be like, oh, I know this guy. He's cool, you know? Oof, man, that's good. That's good that you were able to do that because that kind of thing, it's, uh, it's always so interesting to me, like, living up in, like, gang areas. Um, because I'm uh, up here in Canada and it, yeah, for sure it exists. And I think my brother lived in a pretty, uh, uh, dicey neighborhood for a little bit, but I never like really saw anything or, you know, witnessed anything too like real, <laughs> but I, it like, it was happening all around. But when you're in a place like that, it's sort of just like, oh yeah, stuff can happen like real life stuff. So let's get man, into it. There was a couple it. of instances. Yeah, like, what's uh, the first real life thing that happened where you're like, "Oh man, I'm in it now." So, when I was like 17 or 18 living out in Pomona, I was there full time at that point. Like I was taking care of my grandfather, he had cancer, so I dropped out of school and I did independent studies so I could kind of be home and take care of him and then go out to photo shoots cuz he had a photo company and he couldn't afford to not not have any business coming in. So, but anyway, so I ran into these kids and there was a shooting at the high school. 
and they were laughing. Uh, it was a drive-by shooting on a dirt bike, which sounds very like 80s movie. Yeah. But this guy drove by the school and shot up the front of the school on a dirt bike. And this kid, they said, got shot in the neck. And they were laughing about it. And they were like, yeah, this pussy, he almost cried. Oh, and no. He almost, he almost cried. cried? Like, the dude got shot in the neck. Like, my God, I would have been like sobbing. That's so that's so scary. And they were like, yeah, this pussy, he almost cried. And then I remember there was a kid that he used to walk his pit bull like around the neighborhood. And uh, I don't think he had any kind of like gang affiliation, but everybody had to like front to a certain extent, it seemed. Sure. So this guy kind of acted hard and stuff like that. And then one day I saw him walking with his pit bull. And he was sobbing, and his pit bull was all torn up. Oh, no. And uh, he had gotten peer pressured into fighting his dog against somebody else's dog in the park. And it was weird. I mean, this kid was like 16 or 17, and every time I'd seen him around the neighborhood, he always acted all hard, and he'd give me the nod instead of saying, like, hey, buddy. You know what I mean? Like, he was, like, trying to be a tough guy, and he got peer pressured into fighting his dog. And the first time I really saw him being real was him having this, like, horrible like realization like the consequences of his actions he got peer pressured into fighting his dog and his dog was not doing well you know it was just it's a weird moment that lives with me forever just man that's horrifying this guy's actions yeah it really was this dog was in a bad way and i was like you need to you need to get him to an emergency vet you know yeah and uh yeah just seeing this kid sob it was just like so wild to see you know i don't know it just made me think like like not being real with people is just uh you know kind of dangerous definitely going to uh come back and bite you one way or another yeah i mean big or small it will big or small it will but yeah it was it was a gnarly neighborhood i mean we had the helicopters over our neighborhood all the time i smoked crack for the first time there it was really oh yeah how did that go uh, it was wild, man. I specifically went out to go find it. So I walked out. Okay, home, yeah, yeah. If anybody is familiar with Pomona, is like, it's where all the hookers and the crack are. Like, so you know where to go. You knew the thing. area. You got to the first. She talked to me, and she asked me if I wanted like sex. She was like yeah. a prostitute. Did she say? Like, se- no, did she say a date? <laughs> uh, I don't remember what. You she gotta said, be careful. But, uh, it's illegal. But I was like, I'm not interested in that. But if you know where I can get crack, like I was like out to find crack and try it. <laughs> <laughs> and she was like come with me and like took me to this hotel and then we went into this hotel room and it was her and this other woman uh and they're both prostitutes and there was like their pimp this dude who sat in the corner and he like hooked up some crack and like we were sitting on uh, the bed with these two women on either side of me and they kept like wanting to like sell me on sex and i was like no i'm just here for this crack here. yeah <laughs> you know and we like maybe if you together. smoke a little crack though <laughs> maybe then you will yeah like I, crack is not a <clears throat> drug that i mean at least for me it didn't get me fired up to have sex with a prostitute it was just like wow now i feel real weird and scared and i want to go home right away <laughs> yeah so yeah it was a it was a weird experience but <laughs> But you made it out. You you got the crack. Got it. Got out of there. I'm sure that ended yeah, fine. I mean, I, I smoked the rock with them, and then I bought some more, like in case I liked it, and I ran home. And then that's uh, great. I remember the next day waking up and like flushing the rest of the crack down the toilet. I was just like, what what have I done? <laughs> so it was the first and last time I smoked crack. Okay, well that's fine then. So then that wasn't the uh, waking up in a Mexican jail time? No, that was years later, man. Mexican jail is not like a fun story. 
No, yeah, I don't imagine Mexican jail being fun or a good story or fun or anything like that. I just uh, had the I mean, I, bullet point I, from the L.A. Times yeah. article about you, but I guess I'm jumping ahead. I mean, I'll, you want to talk about Mexican nope. jail? I'll get into No, it. I wanted to tease Mexican jail and come back. <laughs> All right. <laughs> <laughs> For the listeners, that's a tease. I guess the listener could just hit that forward 30 button until they start hearing stuff that sounds like Mexican jail talk. No, it's fine. Um, right. Uh, sorry. Um, so when did you start making music then? I started, uh, I think it was, I mean, I, when I was a kid, I was in like orchestras. I was a professionally ah, classically trained, like, trained percussionist and stuff. Okay. And, uh, so I was like a, a little kid playing in like college orchestras and stuff because I was oh nice was good yeah nice so some sort of like and, um, talented wunderkind of music. Well, I mean it's easy. There's no notes, dude. I mean you're just playing like drums and like oh sure, just hit like the thing. Orchestra yeah. percussion. It's like you're the triangle guy. Right. Like yeah, I'm yeah. basically just counting out. A hundred like <clears throat> bars of music for sure. before my three notes. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm done. You know. So it it didn't it seemed weird to me that they were like oh you're really good you can play the cymbal and the triangle you're killing part, it you know like, other kids your age was, have no idea how to count yeah I think it was just cute for the parents to be like look at that little triangle player kid yeah when the fun. triangle like, part was, comes you know, I, I thought I was pretty good and then like uh, like fifteen sixteen I stopped doing that so I could devote my life full on to uh, skateboarding and smoking weed and. Hell yes, bro. (laughs) Tell me how that went. Did you get on Thrasher? Do you have a shirt that says Thrasher? I don't. I I never was like a Thrasher kid. Oh, okay. I always dressed like a weirdo. Okay, that's even cooler. That's cooler, TBH. It's cooler to like have your own look. I was super into skateboarding, and then uh, I was babysitting for my, uh, my brother's kids, and they had like a little Casio keyboard, and I was like, just started writing some songs on it one night and then I bought myself a little keyboard and I started like recording albums on like a, <laughs> this dictaphone with awesome. a Casio keyboard. Yeah. Just straight into, into like, recording albums. <laughs> yeah. I mean, why not? Like, no, yes. That, I love it. That's, yes. You put them together. Yeah, yeah. And then I got way into like avant-garde, like noise guys. And I got into like Steve Reich and Mersbau and all of that stuff. So I just wanted to be like a noise guy. And then uh, I thought, oh, it'd be cool to add in some other instruments. But all of my friends were, quote, serious musicians being in, like, hardcore bands. So nobody wanted to work with me and my, like, dumb noise stuff. So yeah, I nobody wanted to give you some noise. On my own and, yeah. So, I mean, all of the stuff I did on my own was just stuff I was doing while I was waiting to finalize this grindcore album with my buddy Slimer. Uh, we're in this band, <laughs> Bearded Mary. We've been in it for about 25 years now. And you and Slimer been in Beard and Mary 25 years? That's awesome. It's probably less than 25, but it's someplace close to that. That's but awesome, yeah, though. Like we have, we've never completed anything with Beard and Mary. But at a certain point, I was just like, like, oh, wow. I mean, I guess I learned how to make music while I was waiting on Slimer. And, and uh, <laughs> yeah, so I've, I've been making music and putting it out since I was like 18. Yeah. Love that um, go-getter attitude. And it happened uh, to be f- for you at like the perfect time. Like back in like the day or whatever, if you were if we were a previous prior generations, we'd have to be like splicing t- 
tape together, I guess, like long loops of tape. I and was like, doing that anyway because oh. those were like my influences. So I got like a reel to reel and I was doing these like massive tape loops and like. Right, which you is know, still very like cool. Rice and all these but you don't guys, have to so. do that. You don't yeah. have to, um, but that that stuff is cool. Um, but like, yeah, you would have to be so analog. So, are you digital now? Or are you still analog? Are you I, a crazy so mix? My my last album is like the first one that was full on digital using a. Dog. Okay, now you've made the shift. All right, and I like it, but it's still it. Um, you know, sometimes there is something, yeah, there is something to be said for like a, a feel of st- something warm tones of a live performance or something like that, like regular normal I, I instrument sounds. Like it's, it's difficult to operate a, a DAW when you're like under the influence of drugs and alcohol. Mm. Like it's so much easier if you're like high and like drunk and, and ready to record and you can just hit record on a tape machine with a computer. You got a computer there. Sometimes things get a little off, mm. you know, like it's, yeah, it, it I understand. Yeah. like a, a so, little bit more focus or something. So there's times where I'm not, I'm not yeah. a fan of that. You but. need to be more of a nerd to, uh, yeah. to do it sometimes. But yeah, I, there should be like a, I mean, I've seen some cool instruments. There's this uh, guy on TikTok who has like this crazy electronic, like mouth harp or whatever. It's like digital uh, but you blow into it to activate it. Uh, oh, yeah, the, the saxophone guy, yeah. Yeah, crazy saxophone thing. It's like... And you can play any... It's like a... Make it any sound come out of that thing, but you're blowing it. It's yeah, like an instrument. I follow that guy on TikTok. That, those are awesome uh, awesome videos. Crazy. So, like, those instruments are like, coming, so there will be this crazy merge where we're going to have, like, the cantina band or all playing, like, crazy... You're playing like an electronic E flute, and I mean, dude, that stuff has been around since the '80s. Like, like those things, like the guitar. Yeah, I mean, all of that stuff. They had the uh, the MIDI breath instruments and all of that stuff. I mean, it's been around forever. And people do I mean, people do use it, but one day, like robots are gonna play them and really kill it. I mean, they already have that too. There's those the, the AI generated music. You talking about the weird. Chuck E. Cheese band? <laughs> No, I'm talking about like like there's a AI can just generate music now. You can have it like listen to a song or, or a snippet of a song and then finish the rest of it. It can interpolate videos on yeah. There's a bunch of videos on YouTube where they'll play like 30 seconds of Smash Mouth, and then the last 30 seconds are the AI generated, uh, you know, completion of that song that the AI decided it it should. They're really bizarre. Oh wow, yeah, there you can. D- you can use them right now. <laughs> there's free ones. There's paid ones. You can use SoundDraw.io. Sixteen yeah. bucks a month, and you can just create your own music with AI. Wow. Which I, I hope at some point we'll have a, a pushback towards more acoustic instruments and more uh, human performance type stuff because I feel like music has been so computer driven since really the 80s yeah i mean it's like technology keeps advancing and 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 music keeps on branching off and sharding into a million different subgenres and so every time there's a new technological advance that creates the opportunity to create these new just subgenres of like sound and music and types of music that people have never had before and then if, with if that new creation you can point, like you can take the new creation then combine it with 
every other style <laughs> that has already existed. So you, you can you can think about the difference in in the music of decades pretty easily, right? So you go seventies to eighties, huge difference. Eighties to nineties, huge difference. Nineties to the two thousands, huge difference. But I think most of the like pop and dance hits from the two thousands since could have been hits at any point in, in that time. There's smaller uh, genres and smaller kind of trends, like ringtone rap isn't around so much anymore. And now we have more like the mumblecore type of stuff and like Migos and all of that stuff. But, but as a whole, I feel like music has been somewhat stagnant as far as like the world of popular music for the last 20 years or so. Hmm. Yeah, that millennial whoop really took over for a bit. It did, yeah, and the the weird hip hop country, uh, uh, that that weird blending that's been going on, that's a little strange. Yeah, I mean, see, that's the thing. You gotta try blending the different genres eventually, like rap and rock. <laughs> Something hits, <Yeah. laughs> and you get a like sweet Mon- like uh, the hue. With you like get their, a uh, Mongolian metal, you know. Yeah, exactly. You never know what's gonna pop. Like K-pop, that was a recent thing where it's like, oh, all of a sudden. This one specific country's style and uh it's so garbage though. All that is is early two thousands boy band music. Like you listen to it, it's just or just inspired by like that. That's just a generation boys. of Korean people who were nostalgic for Backstreet Boys and they're like, What if there was twelve Backstreet Boys? Right. And then they developed this whole like soap opera world around them. I think it's genius. I think that part is genius because it's like. But they have like a lack of freedom. What if you don't like wrestling? These people like these people are not allowed to like be in relationships and stuff. They're under such strict control. Yeah. But when they break out of that and they're millionaires, it's a really unhealthy genre. When they break out of that and they're millionaires, they'll be fine. They'll break out. I believe in you, BTS. If you're if you're in trouble, let me know. I just don't understand like the draw of that just to be like, yeah, I like, I like this music created by committee, you know, with this, this whole like unhealthy system in place. It, it, I think it's, it's a, really depressing to me. It's I think it's a time of, of like Nirvana. No, I think it's like a sign of the times, like the internet is like a community builder and this has created a big community. So imagine if like internet culture was around when Backstreet Boys um, and InSync like took over the world or whatever it'd be sort of a similar thing it's just happening now because of the internet and that is the band that did it it feels like a giant leap backwards though i mean because it's it's the opposite of what's going on in the world right now like you have such freedom to have such a like unique singular artistic voice and that's not what people are responding to they're responding to this music created by committee that's insane to me. I, I, it feels like a giant leap backwards to me. I mean, could be, but hey, the Biebs is still topping all the charts. I mean, that guy writes his own music, though. Like, I, I have respect for Bieber. Shout out to the like, Biebs. He he's by all accounts like a talented musician, like even as a young kid. Yeah, he and definitely I, I, I he worked so his way up from 12 or like whatever. Like, uh, there was a lot of people my age and older that when Bieber came out were just dumping on him. Remember, there's like like 30 and 40-year-old men like, oh, this is still better than Justin Bieber. And like, it just felt really bizarre to me to just like dump on this music that was meant for their children. It just, it's such a weird take. Like, okay, adult man. Like, I'm not, you know, 
dumping all over the backyardigans or whatever the hell cartoons popular <laughs> these days because I know it's not for me. You know, that's true. Although backyardigans is garbage. I don't know, man. Have you heard the music? Like, yeah, the, that music that, that went viral or whatever on TikTok. That's fine. They had one song that went viral. They got lucky. No, but they put that much planning and effort into all of those songs. Like the guys behind the music are like legitimate musical geniuses on that show. All right, I guess I haven't done enough backyard against research to back up my claim, but from what I've seen, I'd prefer Molang over it. <laughs> I'm also going on record and saying that the Beatles, uh, the Beatles of children, children's music are the Wiggles. Like the Wiggles are seriously phenomenal. The Wiggles, right now, which incarnation are you talking about? Which lineup are you talking about? That that lineup has turned over, I think. Okay, but you know, I yeah, it's changed a little bit. Still a big fan of the original Wiggles, but I give you know Simon and Lockie and Emma their due as well. Yeah, for sure. The replacements have have picked it up where the others left off. Everyone's picked up the baton. Great. I've watched uh, enough Wiggles to know that the Wiggles are fine. Yeah, and how great to finally have, like, you know, there was always uh, Kylie Minogue was always kind of the the pink wiggle. She was, like, you know, on the outskirts. She wasn't on the show all the time, but she was still in the crew. But bringing in a girl, that was so great when they brought in Emma. Genius move. Having uh, Captain Feathersword come in, kind of great. My son was a Wiggles kid. It's just funny how you become a fan of stuff that like your kids are into. Like, well, I think you you can, but sometimes you become an anti fan of something that they're into just because maybe it's bad, you know, or uh, you don't understand why uh, children uh, would like it. Something like that, you know. You're just like, oh, can't you just watch right, something better? You you can make them watch other stuff. Like you are the parent. You're in charge. Like. There was a lot of garbage kids shows that he did not watch because I was like, no, these are bad. Yeah, this that's is good. bad stuff. Yeah, that, I mean, that's my plan. I'm gonna like, We're trying to cut down on watching stuff. But I say if you want to watch stuff, you should watch. have to watch what we watch first, right? Like, you should have to watch. I should Google what was on when I was her age exactly and then make her watch those cartoons specifically so we can have the same experience. I mean, I can't. It, I always think about the stuff that I was exposed to just through the news when I was super young. Like, you know, I'd come home from school and be like latchkey kid and sit and watch a bunch of TV until my parents came home. And when I was in like grade school, I was exposed to like the John Wayne Bobbitt case, the OJ (laughs) trial. Yeah. And like that preempted cartoons to show like the OJ trial. So I got to like, you know, and like Lorena Bobbitt, my God, you know, I'm like nine years old listening to like how this woman cut off this guy's penis and like, that's horrific stuff. <laughs> and they were like, yeah, we're sorry, but the sorry. cartoons have been canceled so that we can bring you the John Wayne Bobbitt case. And they like showed photos of the severed penis. Did they? I don't remember seeing photos of the severed penis, but oh, man. You I definitely remember the news. That, yeah, I remember that, that yeah, dominating the that expert holding up the photo that he held up during the news. I, um, it's insane. Yeah, I was like a late night fan. I remember the new the the jokes, just like nonstop uh, Bobbit jokes for months and oh, months. And it was so unfortunate that it was right after Stone Temple Pilots had that hit with half the man I used to be. You know that? Oh yeah, brutal, every, brutal time. Every radio DJ made that joke. Man, DJs do better in 1991 <laughs> or whatever. Ah <laughs> oh, man. So then you grew up and you weren't you were skateboarding around town, but your hair was too long to get a job. You're just skateboarding around 
Um, so what's your best trick that you could do at that time? Uh, man, I mean, I got some insanely high ollies towards the end, like right before I quit. Woohoo, like and break then, your knee uh, shit. Like, whoa. Like, like chest high. Oh, like, yeah. I remember I ollied one of the, you know those like kind of A-frame road dividers? Mm, okay, yeah. I, I managed to ollie one of those. Ooh. It was like the, the proudest I'd ever been. I was like, my God, like that's, that's tall. Yeah, dope. Luckily, we have a sweet Octopus Caveman skateboard compilation with all your best ofs, right? I can link in the, I can link I wish, that in man. the, uh, <laughs> I'll link it in the I show notes. Some, I have some VHS tapes someplace, and I managed to get a couple of, uh, a couple of tricks like copied over. But uh, you know, there's a lot of doing crimes on there too. Well, don't rec- I mean- don't upload the, do- <laughs> don't upload those videos. <laughs> Just I mean, upload the skateboard tricks, so like. like-, like- it could yeah, be like the thirty second video. Doing crimes. Another video I, I of doing crimes. Why you keep taking videos of us doing crimes, Anthony? <laughs> Another bad. Just this is gonna be a problem someday. And I eventually, it was. Like, in it that was. video, it's like here's skateboarding tricks, and then it was like a, a video of me peeing on an ice cream truck while I ordered ice cream from the guy. Oh, like, that's why, that's original jackass shit. Yeah. Yeah, like I don't like <laughs> like it doesn't even affect anybody. Like, oh, weird. There's if that ice cream truck is a little wet. Like, I'm sure it was dry within ten minutes. Oh, it smells like, disgusting, it, it unsanitary, illegal, like Anthony. On the outside of a van, you know, a van that children are approaching. Little children are just waiting for their ice cream and putting their hands all over the van, Anthony. I don't think they are. I think you see a wet spot and you go, yeah, I'm not going to. The gonna toddler sees a wet spot and decides that's what they're not going to touch or. Okay. First of all, no toddler is going out to get ice cream by themselves. No, the parents just reaching up to <laughs> in this scenario. The parent is just reaching up to get the ice creams for the toddler. He's like, okay, don't touch anything while I reach up for this ice cream. They're reaching up. <laughs> Guess what the toddler does. I mean, if that happens, pee is sterile. So, you know, I still think no harm, no foul. It right, well, wasn't funny to me. And it's I fine. Don't upload that video, though. That. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I don't think I will. <laughs> it's probably the smart play. <laughs> I shouldn't have even said anything. Uh-oh. Now it's on the podcast. That's worse than a video. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, then um, painting, when did you start that? Or was that much later? Were you in a band? Should we stick with music? I'm trying to keep a th- uh, through line going. We're in we're in Man, skateboarding I around town. I mean, it's tough. I was I was into art ever since I was a little kid. Like you know, I just drew and stuff. But I didn't really get into painting a lot until maybe my late twenties. Okay, so when you're skateboarding around, you're not graffitoing um, an equal. Murals no, I, I'm still not a fan of graffiti, man. If you look at my art hunt, even like I left paintings, like you know, I use command strips to hang them up often. Like I'm not <laughs> a big like graffiti person. Okay, all right. And most of it's wildly uninteresting to me, and a lot of like graffiti art as well is, you know, like I I think that's why certain people stand out. Uh, yeah. yeah, like but most of it's just really bad. Sure, I guess a lot of it is like tribalistic and is functional. I, it serves a purpose to denote territory and so on and so forth, and like who yeah, who I has been there, etc., and who you know 
is in the area, <laughs> tagging uh, the area. It used to be funny. It didn't just used to be your name on a toilet seat. Like, write a joke on the wall. Give me something to look at while I'm, you know, taking a dump in public. Yeah, come on, graffito artists. But yeah, sometimes you see a cool mural and you're like, oh, you did it. You did it, graffito artist. A tip of the cap to you. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So those ones are good. So you were always interested in painting, but not until your 20s you got into it. So after you were skateboarding, what happened? Oh, crimes. Yeah. <laughs> no, I mean, I, once I I kind of gave up on skateboarding uh, <clears throat> just to focus more on like, music. Like That just took me away more and more. Like music and writing and drinking and... I was alone in Pomona a lot. Like I didn't have a lot of friends out there and I moved out there to take care of my grandpa. So right. it was Sorry just a lot of time alone in the garage, working on music, trying to figure out how to play guitar and stuff like that. And I was always working on art and writing at the same time. So it was like a really creative and inspiring time, but also like a super lonely time that like weirdly set up the way my life would be for like the majority of it. Just massive amounts of time alone, just working on these creative endeavors mm-hmm. and how did that go what was a day a, a regular day like in a a super creative day back then i mean you know most days it was you know wake up hungover <laughs> and mm-hmm. then just you know start working on some writing maybe do a little bit of school work draw some pictures work on some songs finish a little bit more homework drink in the garage like i I found early access to booze way early. So I really think like alcoholism had its, had its like clutches on me by the time I was like 16. Mm, Yeah, that sucks. That's going to hamper some productivity. Yeah. I mean, when you're young, maybe not so much. uh, Well, you have more energy to burn it off, I guess. Yeah. I, I know people always say that like, alcohol is this creative thing. it's not really i mean maybe for some people if they have hang-ups or something but you know there was there is something kind of fun about the disassociation when you create stuff when you're like shithouse drunk you know <laughs> if you're blackout like, drunk and you don't remember making something you're like this is the yeah. other me that made it the me I mean, when my brain turns off the best things i yeah one of the best things i ever did was one of those i did this song uh, i hope you die screaming like at the beginning of my divorce it was just a drunken improv and I had woken up the next morning and I was like, well, let's see what I recorded last night. And I was kind of doing the listen backs and I heard that and I was like, wow, this is That's raw really as hell. Yeah. And then I made a video for it and you know, it, it opens up the movie, but, uh, I think that's one of the best songs I ever did. And I don't remember recording it. So I mean, <laughs> that's crazy. Kind of, I mean, that's, it, that's it, cool. Story. It is kind of exciting. Same thing with like paintings. I mean, you can get shit house drunk and wake up and like, wow, but, most of the time you wake up and you recorded something horrible or you painted something horrible. Like sure. like the best stuff for the most part you're going to achieve when you just get kind of that calm, sober state. And like getting back into painting was something that I did because I was uh, uh, trying to get sober. And it was just something nice to do while I was sober. I could sit and drink tea and listen to music and paint oh, drinking tea yeah so they replace your drink uh of alcohol with a drink of tea what kind of tea are you drinking are you taking it with milk i'm not a milk guy i, I like earl gray i like green tea i have probably 30 teas green in my house, tea so- oh so you're a tea guy now you're all fancy with it do you have your I own mean, uh I- steep your own like cool steeping 
thing? Like, how do you do it? No, no, I don't get into any of that kind of artisanal stuff. Oh. I just put a tea bag in the hot water and call okay. it a day. Sure. Lots but, of different you know, ways like, you can do I have it. Some like cinnamon tea and some like herbal teas. Like, I I have a variety. But your go-to is Earl Grey or green tea in the evening. Yeah, Earl Grey is where it's at for me. I love it. Decap I, everything because my blood pressure is shot from years of drinking. Oh, that's good. So you're monitoring that. Yeah. You monitoring that. You are taking your oh all the time. Good. You got to yeah. do. You have your arm cuff. I do. Yeah, I've got the the big deal. It sucks. I've been hospitalized with blood pressure stuff a couple of times. And, you know, is it too? Was it too high or too low? Which too high. Way too high. So that's like everything's busting out. So you have a bad headache. What does it feel like? Uh, it feels like you're having a stroke. You can have numbness. Like get like facial numbness and sure. numbness in my arms. Just like everything's and, gonna uh, pop. Yeah, dizziness, blurred vision. It's it's hell, man. You can feel your heart pounding. It's oh yeah, it's you feel that bad. in your ears. And you're like, vroom, 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 vroom. yeah, it's it can be really scary. Yeah, it doesn't sound good. I'm glad that's under control. Make sure you you monitor that. Um, so I used to check mine every now and again at the. Uh, the free one that you can just sit down at the shoppers drug mart or whatever. You right. just go beep and goes. The craziest thing is, you know, I, I got diagnosed years ago with anxiety disorder. GAD. Uh, and they put me on all these, uh, anxiety meds. Those on like clonopin three times a day. And oh, like wow. And it, it like changed me, yeah. you know, like the period of time when I was on benzos, I, I really did some out of character stuff. And that was the period of time when I uh, ended up divorced. And then I got off of them because I lost my job and I lost my insurance. So I just went cold turkey off of these benzos. <laughs> yeah, not had, by choice, I guess. Like, right? Yeah. So I had like a year and a half of like the most psychotic shit ever because of that. And like, I could only describe it to people as like, like if you pictured yourself as a soul driving a body, it felt as if my soul was placed in a kind of cattywampus. Like it, it felt, everything felt like a little diagonal or something. And I had this year and a half of hell and then started to feel kind of normal. And then I'm just dealing with the consequences of all of these things that I did when I was on benzos. And like, I wasn't taking them normally towards the end i was mixing them with codeine and i was crushing them up and snorting them and like oh yeah different way know. i don't know if that's one of the ways you're supposed to but no i don't think you are but you know any any medicine i get I'm like well let's crush it up and see if it's better if we snort it you know crushing it up and snorting it hmm and is it different is it better or is it i don't know <laughs> i honestly don't, don't know, know man <laughs> couldn't really tell but, you know like the combination of uh, of tramadol, which I had like a never ending prescription of, and clonopin felt a whole lot like heroin. Wow! And I remember telling I remember telling my dad that once, and he was like, "Wow, so I guess you know what heroin feels like." <laughs> like, well, <laughs> jeez, <laughs> oops. <laughs> My grandpa was on hospice care, you know, like I said, I was taking care of him while he's dying of cancer and he had, uh, liquid morphine. So I used to steal that on occasion, give myself a couple of droppers, sneak it back onto a shelf and then just like have a weird night. Have a weird night. I, I always wondered what a morphine night is. Just come home, have a couple of drops of morphine. I guess you would just like sit on the couch or something. 
or the floor. The floor felt the really floor. good. The floor. On the floor. Mm. And just as low as you can go. For a while. Yeah. And then wake up the next day and feel like complete garbage for 24 to 48 hours. Well, I can't imagine that would be good. I think that's... I uh, mean, it's, it's like, it's a good consequence, though. I mean, because the right. high is really great. It's really one of those things where you go like, oh, I see how people could ruin their lives. <laughs> yeah, like if there wasn't this other part, I could do that every day. Cocaine was one of those things for me, too. Like, it was immediately like, oh, I need to stop doing this because I could just do this forever. But what's so good about that? What are you just yapping a bunch? Your brain yeah, going a mile a minute? First, like, first 30 seconds of all your favorite songs and like just feel great. <laughs> sure. I used to have to hire babysitters, man, because I'm I would do too much, you know. So I would I would have to like pay a guy to hang out with me and be like, here's my coke, and just like give me some when you think I'm ready. You know? <laughs> okay. That's a that's I would a just like, do a line and be like, I feel great. I'll probably feel better if I do another one. Exactly, you know? yeah. And then He's I'd like, have my no, babysitter no. there just be like, just chill for a minute. Yeah, just chill you know, for 30 Hang minutes. out and be like, no, nah, you're right. You're right, man. You're right. Like it, it had to be somebody that I would listen to and respect and to be like, no, nah, you're right. I'll just you're right. Oh, hey. Then well, 15 minutes later, like, I think I'm ready for like a little one. Like, maybe just a little. <laughs> yeah. Well, I mean, I, that's a good system. <laughs> It's a good system. It, yeah, it would. Uh, so instead of blowing through your whole wad, it would stretch it out. But you have yeah, to pay so for a babysitter nice. to hang out with. Yeah. So uh, yeah, very very fun. So then after that, you just wake up in Mexican jail. No, Mexican jail was God. I think maybe like seven years ago. I mean, it was. I was going through the divorce, and I was working for uh, uh, cap and gown and ring sales. You know. Oh, uh, that for stuff, graduates. Stuff to graduates. Yeah. And uh, my boss wanted me to go call on some schools in, like, the Imperial Valley, which is, like, California near the Mexico border. Uh, so for, like, three days, I was out and about in that area. And one night I was in, uh, was it El Centro? One of those places, like, right by the border. And uh, I was staying in a hotel, drinking at the, like, hotel bar. And they started to close up real early. And... Uh, I was like, hey, well, what else is open? I mean, if you guys are closing, like, I wasn't drunk yet, you know? Yeah. Then, yeah. So uh, the guy was like, yeah, you got to go across the border. And I was like, well, I don't want to go to, like, you know, Tijuana. Another like, country. And he was like, "Like, well, Mexicali's not like Tijuana. Like, it's it's pretty chill. And just go to this bar. You'll have a good time. So I was like, okay. I took a cab over there and went to the bar. And it was a great bar. It was like Mexican cheers. Like, it was a fun night. And then... uh I left and I was getting ready to walk back home or walk back across the border and get back to my hotel and somebody smashed me over the head with something and robbed me and the police, I guess, found me in the street and they took me to jail instead of taking me to a hospital. Ah. So I woke up in this like maybe 20 by 20 foot like concrete room just surrounded by a bunch of other dudes. Yeah. And it was complete hell. I was like covered in blood and like severely concussed, severely hungover. And uh, I started begging with the guards to like let me get a phone call. And they were like, You don't get that here. You know, yeah, this yeah. isn't America. I was like, Well, what do I do? Like, I need to go to a hospital. I need to get out. Like, did I do a crime? Yeah. You know? And uh, yeah, they were just, you know, stonewalling me. And uh, I was in there for about two, three days, something like that. Really bizarre, man. So the, your, your water was just these two liter Coke bottles that they'd fill up with water from the tap and then throw it in there. And everybody shared that until they filled it up again. 
no. And then the only thing you got to eat was like cream of wheat twice a day, but they didn't serve gringos. So I didn't get to eat. Mm. And they have a, like a weird system in Mexico where like your parents take care of you. Yeah. Even though you're in jail, like you're like all day, these mothers would come in with cinnamon rolls and they wouldn't just bring enough for their child. They'd bring like enough for everybody in there except me because sure. I'm white. Yeah. Uh, and then another mom would come in with like, you know, tamales or something for everybody except me. So, you know, I'm sitting there just like <laughs> covered in blood and concussed and just like sitting there praying and begging to like get out of there. And these people are eating this delicious food. and I'm fucking starving. It was hell, man. So every time there was a shift change and a new guard came on, I would call him over and beg with him. And like, I'm covered in blood. Like mm -hmm. I had like I looked miserable. They had to know like this is not cool. But finally, uh, I got this guard to come over, and uh, between my broken Spanish and his broken English, I, I was able to convince him that if he got me out, I would wire him money. Mm. So uh, there's a, a side door, like to my left. I was just sitting like, like cross-legged right by the, the, uh, the cell door, yeah. you know. And I'd just sit there and just like pray that, you know, I could get out of there. I didn't know what the hell was going to happen to me. And it's terrifying. You know, some of the guys that I was talking with, they're like, you're never going to get out here. Like, they just think it's hilarious. They got a gringo. And, uh, I remember at one point, you know, there's this door to the outside to the left. And at one point, all these like puppies just walked in, like just these, this like litter of puppies just stormed into the jail. And then like the dog's mother was coming in and trying to grab them all out by yeah. the scruff of their neck. And like, but it's just such this weird moment. So anyway, this guard, I convinced him I'd wire him money if uh, he got me out. So he took me out through this side door where all the puppies had come in. And we walked down this like hill and, and then out through this gate. And I got in his SUV and we started driving to the border. And he was smoking a, a cigarette. And I was like, can I have one of those? And he gave it to me. And it was a menthol clove made by Marlboro. They don't Whoa. sell those like in America. Interesting. I've never encountered him before. It was the least satisfying cigarette of my life, too. But... It was like the first cigarette I'd had in days. So I like smoked this weird ass cigarette and I started to freak out like because we're just driving through this neighborhood. And I'm like this. Nobody knows I've left. Like he didn't take me out through proper channels. I'm just in this random dude's car. And he took me to a drugstore where a guy uh, <clears throat> came out who spoke better English. The guy who ran this drugstore and he gave me details for Western Union to wire him the money. And they had me write down all of this personal information, like my address, my phone number, yeah. like the name of my parents, all this shit. And, uh, you know, kind of threatened me. And I had I had no intention of paying this guy. But they were like, you know, when you get over, you have 24 hours to wire us the money. <clears throat> and I was like, well, I got to go to a hospital. So you got to give me 48 hours. <laughs> nice. <laughs> and they were like, OK, that sounds fair. That's fair. And then they just dropped me off at the border. But. Whatever time of day it was, the borderline was crazy long. And I was like, I'm not waiting in this. So I just walked to the front. And when I got to, like, the actual border crossing, I just started walking for the, you know, the turnstile to just cut in line in front of hundreds of people. And some cop was like, what do you think you're doing? And I was like, I, I, need, to, I need to get out of here. And he was like, well, if you keep walking, we're going to take you to jail. And I just went, well, are you going to take me to American jail or Mexican jail? He said, American jail. And I said, good, arrest me right now, please. And he was like, what's going on? And I'm like, look at me, man. Like, yeah. I'm still, like, Figure it out, blood. border guard. 
so I told him the situation. He's like, do you have ID? I'm like, of course not. I was like robbed down there. And he's like, well, where are you? Where were you born? And I was like, I was born in Pomona. And that somehow that was like good enough for him. He's like, all right, man. Yeah, Get that's over. a specific answer. So I, I crossed and I flagged down a taxi cab because I knew I had money stashed in my car. Uh, and this guy took me back to my hotel room or to the hotel. And I was like, hang on a second. And I didn't have the keys to my car. All of that stuff was stolen as well. So I found a brick. Oh, shit. started trying to smash the driver's side <laughs> yeah. window. Uh-huh. But it like it wasn't breaking. It wasn't shattering. It was just leaving like these little brick marks on the window, but not breaking. And the guy's starting to freak out. Like, what are you doing? And I'm like, just hang on. I haven't paid you. And then he finally like freaked out and was like, no, it's bueno, it's bueno. And he took yeah. off. Yeah. He's like, if it's and between up- you smashing that your car or yeah. <laughs> Like, let's just, I'm just going to go. Wow. That's nuts. So then, uh, I went to, uh, I got my brother to come down and pick me up and I went to the hospital and, you know, got all cleaned up a, a little bit, man. Like, but I mean, I always say, uh, like, like your faith is, is kind of a choice. Like you have to choose to believe. And there was a moment getting out of that jail where, if you would have spoken to me in that moment, I would have said 100% God exists and he loves me in spite of everything that I had done. Like there was really that moment. Cause I sat there for all those days and I just prayed to get out of there and getting out of there. And finally like breathing free air, it just felt like such a miracle to me. It was so powerful to me. It, it changed the entire direction of my life. And it wasn't like an overnight thing. It wasn't like the next day, you know, like I still struggle with like, there's still periods where I drink too much and get depressed. And like, I still have dark moments, but, but that moment changed my life forever in such a huge way. And I, and I'm aware that I could say, well, maybe it was the concussion. Maybe it was the head injury. Head injuries change people. Head injuries make people believe all kinds of wild things. But I chose to believe that, that it was an act of God and that, that choosing to believe that is what changed my life. Not, you know, I feel like Ooh. I could have gone out of there and just been like, Oh, sure. it's cool. like, Oh, it was just okay. an injury. But, but the fact that I you chose to, chose to believe those that, yeah. feelings as a, as a real miracle, yes. uh, changed my life. That is changed the direction of my life. Really interesting way to, to say it, to, to frame it. Hmm. I, I mean, it's the most honest way I can put it because, you well, know, no, everybody else would just things. say I prayed and God delivered the miracle end of story. Right. <laughs> right? But you're taking it to I the mean, next, a little bit more of a, you know, a, a, a spiritual slash a little bit extra logic step for you. Be like, I understand why this was so powerful. It's because I, I looked in myself and this is what I believe. So logically, well, I could, I could how, that's powerful. How others might interpret it. I mean, that's, sure. that's how I, I think of it. Like I do have Puppy a, saved a your ass. an analytical mind, but yeah, I do understand that, that there's multiple ways you can interpret it. But for me to, to choose to believe that that was an act of God changed my life. And you made it here today to be on this podcast. <laughs> Shout out to that guard. Sorry you didn't get your money. I'm sure something else happened for you. Man, a, a couple of years later, I found uh, the note that he had given me with his Western in, in like Western Union info on it. It was just like a spooky moment. I still think about it. Like I, you know, I haven't gone. Yeah, you should put it in your will. I think you should put it in your will, Anthony. 
Send that guy no a, a thousand no, bucks. I don't owe them anything. Like, no, they didn't I guess it, me because I had done a crime. Sure, it wasn't good. It wasn't good. It was the least no, he could do to let you out. There. He was the only yeah. decent guy. I, I don't even think he was that decent. Like he was trying to get he his. Was, he's trying yeah, to. He's, he's trying to get that bag. His. It was also wild because all of the all of the guards at the jail were either like older men or super attractive young women, mm. and like they were all just being like clearly harassed by the older men it oh, was yeah. wild to witness crazy like ass grabbing and all of this stuff and i'm just like a prisoner watching this go down like this is their system like oh let's hire a couple of cute girls we can grab ass with it was just really bizarre man that is wild i'm glad you made it out shout out to the puppies were they golden retrievers i'm picturing golden retrievers no, they're weird, like kind of gray and brown, like mixy uh, Mexican, like, street Mexican street dogs. Street dogs, yeah. Mexican street Classic dogs. Mexican street dogs. All right, uh, we should briefly mention this last note. So we talked about it. You gave, you did the thing where you gave your paintings away. So you do a, you do a lot of paintings. You are gonna give everything away for whatever reason that we don't have to get into, and you you just decide to like put up secret hints, like a picture of exactly where it is and say, hey, you can go get this this uh, this painting. And people freaking love that shit. Did it's crazy. it blow your mind? Yeah, I mean, it, it was wild. I mean, it, it was a really fun ride for a long time. And then, you know, Mike May started making that uh, documentary about me. And then we were, you know, he was wrapping up the documentary and we were entered in all these film festivals and everything was like, wow, like I'm really going to make it. Like I'm going to get out of this hole and not be living in a dumpy trailer and, you know, struggling so hard. I just thought like, wow, I finally, I'm finally going to make it. And then COVID hit and all of the uh, film festivals were postponed and then they were canceled and then, you know, they went all virtual. So, you know, the film so you, made it. It was in a yeah, couple of films. Yeah, couldn't meet Morgan Freeman. And nobody, nobody watched it. I was supposed to meet Eugene Levy. Oh, <laughs> even I, better. I shouldn't I have, yeah. I was supposed to be, I I was supposed to be at the Newport Beach Film Festival where Eugene was getting like a Lifetime Achievement Award. God so damn. whether or not I would have met him is Canadian like, treasure. Uh, you know, a big question mark. But I would have been in the building when he got that award. So who knows? Yeah. But yeah, COVID canceled all of those things. And it, and it really... It really sucked, man. And, right. and then people were upset with me because I was upset about that. Like, oh, boo-hoo, you don't get to be famous. And it wasn't about that for me. Like, like I don't think people understand how close to rock bottom I survive. Like, I'm, I'm barely making it in my life. So the idea of maybe making it to the next drum rung, which is comfortable, and to not have that happen... It was mm, devastating. Devastating. It That's was, brutal. It was completely devastating. That sucks, but we should say that people can still go see the movie somewhere? It's on YouTube. It's on YouTube. Go check it out. Octopus Caveman movie. Mike May uh, did it. There was an LA Times article about it. Go check it out. Yeah, the LA Times wrote about me after it came out, which is cool. And, you know, being in the Washington Post and... The Orange County Register, all of that stuff. Was Man, so cool, it would have been three times bigger. 
there was this crescendo <laughs> leading to something, yeah. and then at the end of that crescendo was just COVID. And it was a like, global, oh, no, nothing. horrifying nothing. global pandemic. Elephant in the room, listener, we're currently still in the global pandemic caused by the COVID-19 virus. Um, I myself we am... We say what variants we're on. I myself am double vaccinated. I have one dose of Pfizer, one dose of Moderna. I'm a mix and match guy. What about you? You're a mixy, huh? It, I, got, honestly, it, it was like, you don't have a choice. You can either get it or leave, you know, Bef- this was like before they had like Pfizer Fridays. And if you want a specific one, we're going to let you know where it is and where you can get it, <laughs> which after it was determined that it, people cared about that. <laughs> Yeah, but I got in just before they figured that out. When people like Canadians were being refused like passports and travels, um, if you had a mixed uh, vaccine, they weren't recognizing it. Only if you had two of the same. So it's like, oh, maybe I, I should have like, waited. <laughs> I felt like I waited a long time because you know I was a hermit before uh, all of this stuff went down. Like. You know, I, I went to work where I sat in my office alone mm-hmm. and then I would come home alone. Yeah. And, it, you know, like Safe. my <laughs> only fear of COVID was when I go to the grocery store like once a like month. Like everybody. You know? That's like, everyone's thing is like grocery stores are <laughs> no matter what the front line that everyone at bare minimum, unless you're like getting stuff delivered or whatever, has to do. Yeah, I, was, I was totally the, the, you know, I was wiping down all of my groceries and stuff early yeah. on. All of that. Stuff. Yeah. I was terrified. Like I have a lot of scar tissue in my lungs from chronic pneumonia and like It's crazy. Yeah. With certain people, well, you I'm, just kinda I'm know that if sure. you got it, you'd be fucked up. Well, yeah, and it, the vaccine made me feel so sick, both doses, that mm-hmm. I was like, Man, I feel like if I would have gotten this, I would have died. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> but, and you know, there knows? is a good chance that that could happen because that is happening to a lot of people. Sorry for uh, that, everyone. So that sucks. Pandemic sucks for everyone, but especially for you. Ruined your spot. Ruined your your moment. Uh, and that really stinks. But everyone can go check out the film on YouTube. And shout out to Octopus Caveman for coming on the pod. What a great time chatting with you. What a fun bunch of stories. It's just a bunch of like depressing stuff. All right. Well, like, let's get man. into something not depressing. I'll, um. <laughs> Miss Taffy Bennington. I love her so much. I love her as well. Isn't that lovely that we share a love of Miss Taffy Bennington? I'm talking about at Sing With Taffy. You got to check her out. Check her episode out. Go listen to her. Go follow her. Go check out all her YouTube stuff. Um, I think she mentioned you on uh, her episode. So now we're bringing it full circle. We're mentioning her on your episode and uh, say, let's man, let's is, talk to her about her for a she's, minute. She's great. She's one of the like sweetest souls I've ever like had the pleasure of meeting. Like they're just certain people you meet, and like you know, I had known her through Twitter, and she asked if I wanted to be in this music video. So I I took the day off work so I could go eat cat food for her. <laughs> <laughs> and and uh, you can check that video out on YouTube. I guess I'll put a link in the show notes. Yeah, the the I love sandwiches song. <laughs> yeah, the great. cat food was my idea, by the way. Like, I don't. Oh wow! I just thought it would be funnier if I if it crescendoed to me finally eating something gross. Uh, but yeah, man, like meeting her, she was just such a, just like, she just exudes this like like uh, warmth and positivity. Just 
you know, there's very few people I've met in this world that do that. And she's one of those people. It, it, she's just the greatest. Yes, I agree. And that is why I needed to mention that before we close it out. Had to get that in under the wire in case anyone didn't realize Taffy is the best. Huge shout out um, to her. And go check out that video and all her videos and stuff. And uh, especially the sandwiches one. <laughs> All right, well, I guess that brings us to the end of the podcast. Thank you so much, Anthony. I've been working Thank on you, saying uh, Anthony like uh, Tony Tony Danza does. Anthony, yeah. In uh, in Who's the Boss? Uh, but I'm I'm better at saying Samantha. Samantha. <laughs> Samantha. Anthony. <laughs> Get down here. <laughs> They've been watching some Who's the Boss, so thank you for joining us, Anthony. It was very uh, nice having you on the pod. Everyone can check him out at Octopus Caveman on all the things. We're like the most depressing episode, man. How is this the most depressing episode? We covered all the we covered the lowlights in your life, and now you're still where you were. <laughs> what's what's depressing about that? Still just right, right there, right above rock bottom. Right, right back yeah. where <laughs> we've left you in the middle of the story. Uh, <laughs> well, we'll have to have another episode on the Patreon, and we'll we'll recap when you've made it on top of the world with your next hit <laughs> album, taking over the ambient noise world by storm. We're like, oh yeah, this guy thought he was over when his movie didn't hit the t- the festival scene, but who knew that he was coming back with the world's greatest noise album? I haven't made noise music in like twenty years, man. <laughs> I, I transitioned away from that real quick. Well, now but it's yeah, time to get back we into need, it. We need a return to form. Return yeah. to noise. Return Once to you learn the how noise. To actually play like guitar and piano. It's real tough to just be like, yeah, I'm just gonna. Maybe uh, here's an album of static. Well, maybe you need to bring guitar and piano to noise. Oh, see how you can not play guitar and piano, just make noise. <laughs> yeah. Oh, is that the next? Some thing? real John Cage shit. You, know? <laughs> you need to really, yeah, you need to think about it. But looking forward to whatever the next uh, tunes are coming out. We can all check out your SoundCloud and all your albums are presumably placed. No SoundCloud. No SoundCloud. Right, just albums out on YouTube. Yeah, Amazon, you know, and Spotify, uh, iTunes, Pandora, Spotify, whatever. What's the best place? Where would you want them to go? iTunes and buy it. Like it. <laughs> okay. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah, buying it, I guess, but you know, I understand people don't do that. So it's not a, it's not really a thing anymore. But let's say you stream it a bunch and you want to listen I mean, in, I don't, in the car. I, I, I get one one thousandth of a penny per stream. So yeah, I'm not doing this for money. So you know, just listen to it however you want to listen to it. Just if you want to listen to it, listen. if you don't, that's fine too. That's a good way to go about it. And if you do listen to it, send him a tweet at Octopus Caveman on Twitter and go check him out at that same address. And now I will play the podcast theme as we say our goodbyes. So goodbye, Anthony. Thank you for coming on the podcast. Goodbye, Stephen. Thank you for having me. It was lovely, and I will see you online. Bye. <laughs> well, that's it. I hope you enjoyed this week's episode with Anthony. 
do go ahead and follow him on Twitter at Octopus Caveman. And check out his paintings if you find one in your neighborhood. If you're a new listener, well, thank you so much. I hope listen. It's so good. Oh, that's great. And you can check out all the old FOTS classic episodes at www.stevenwskinner.com or visit Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or the Castmaster. Remember, ratings and reviews are a no-no. If you like podcast promotions, check out at FOTS Pod on Twitter. That is the show's account. And I'm also on Twitter at Skinner Steven. This is that's my main account. I had a funny one recently. Anyways, special thanks to Ruby Coast for the music and to Kyle I. Davidson for the theme. And special thanks to you so much for listening the entire way through, all the way to the very end. I am Steven W. Skinner. Have a great one! <laughs>